0: You are listening to the show yesterday, in and around this time, uh, BC Ferries already had their website and app back up, but it took till about 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon to have the uh, website and app up and running after hours-long outage uh, on Monday. A lot of frustrated um, uh, customers. Uh, you heard some of that on social media. Uh, Global BC also went out to uh, the various terminals, main terminals, uh, to get people's thoughts in regards to how long they had been waiting. Take a listen. It's still uh, a little crazy. <laughs> and I tried to look to make sure the ferry was on time before we left home and it was, I got nothing. This
1: morning, trying to access my, uh, my check-in details to get on the ferry, I uh, wasn't able to access it. I mean, I
0: didn't expect it. It is
1: very poor timing.
0: Now, uh, it was quite interesting. I also received uh, emails uh, personally in regards to the long waits. In one case, I think it was a customer who waited uh, seven hours uh, and uh, was very frustrated, of course. And some folks, look, the app worked. It worked for them. They were fine. But a lot of frustrated folks yesterday, especially when an app and the website go down uh, during a, a long weekend when we know BC Ferries is going to be very busy. But well, joining me now to talk a little bit about yesterday and the broader issues of uh, – some of the challenges BC Ferries has is Richard Zussman, Global BC's legislative reporter. Uh, good afternoon, Richard. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Hey, good to chat. And uh, I want to get to the fixed link and a bridge to the island. And, and I know, yeah, I think you want to talk about that uh, as well. Uh, first and foremost, it, it, did you think it was going to be as bad as it is? Uh, when you look, listen to folks today, you get a sense of yeah, there was a huge backlog yesterday.
1: Yeah, it could have been worse. So, and I think this is the first test for new CEO, Nicholas Jimenez. He's come out today, done a series of interviews, apologizing for the inconvenience, explaining the technical meltdown, vowing to do better. All of those are good signs. Because in the past, Jazz, as you know, we've had uh, heads of crown corporations who have been unwilling to be publicly accountable uh, when it comes to system shutdowns. Uh, we had that long-standing issue uh, at TransLink when there were SkyTrain problems. Getting accountability there was nearly impossible. We've seen this before with previous B.C. Ferries administration. So at least it's one hurdle clear that Jimenez is willing to come forward and say, you know, we screwed up here, Uh, this was not good, uh, and we are going to fix it. In terms of how bad things were yesterday, it was rough. Technical problems always lead to that, but it's largely rough for those walking on. I think a lot of those people who were driving on didn't have the same challenges because largely their reservations were made and, uh, you know, you need to make a reservations, especially now on a long weekend or you're going to be waiting a long, long
0: time. Mm-hmm. Now, yesterday you and I talked a little bit about um, the ferry system and you really raised the issue of just the incredible growth of uh, the Metro Vancouver area, but also the population uh, on on Vancouver Island. Uh, You had brought up the issue that there's still a struggle to to hire more employees to the point where, you know, was it 80 people you said yesterday, 80 people just to run the buffet? Yeah, and and that's what Ferry's (laughs) estimates. It's a huge
1: burden to do all of these operations, to run the vessel, to provide the customer service, to do the maintenance. Uh, and all of that uh, requires in some cases very specific skills
0: mm. now you and I had uh, just a, didn't have much time. we talked a little bit about a fixed link to the to the island a bridge essentially uh, and uh, you, after the program sent me a link to you know a variety of reports that uh, the b c government has looked at, walk me through a little bit in regards to the pros and cons of a bridge
1: yeah, so the pros obviously uh, would be how easy it could be, that uh, there would be, uh, it could run 24 hours, uh, it could be direct, uh, you'd have no issues in terms of waiting. there'd be no capacity issues. Those are the key, clear pros. Cons, there are many, Jess. <laughs> <Toss>, Cost <laughs> is one of them. So the estimates from the BC government, and this report's on the BC government website, is $15 billion to build the span itself and that is a low-end estimate based on a few years ago then there are those maintenance costs that would come every single year and those uh would be about 90 million dollars it would likely be told and the estimates from the province jazz Mm -hmm. is that toll would be six to ten times higher than the current ferry fares for a walk-on passenger so uh it would set you back quite a bit to travel the span. That's just cost. Then there's the physical challenges the fact that it's in a seismic zone. Uh, there are potential marine slope instabilities all along the area. There are extreme wave conditions, in some cases, waves as high as seven meters. There are wind speeds that gust to 180 kilometers an hour. There are major ships that pass through the area all the time, so a floating bridge could not withstand the impact, obviously, of a vessel. There are the maintenance potential issues, and a bridge across the Georgia Strait would be subject to snow, ice, fog, you think it's bad going across the Port Man during those ice bombs? Yeah. Imagine going across this span across the Georgia Strait, and then the idea of how you even rescue a car that may be stuck in the middle. Uh, I, I just think the challenges are far greater than whatever convenience it may bring. Although I dream about the idea of being able to just pop over uh, to
0: the mainland, but I, I think it's just it, it seems impossible based on all these concerns. Do, do you remember that old uh, so minister Pat McGear? Yeah, I do. I yeah, do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's from a different era, a different time. And I remember talking to Pat McGear, and uh, he was a strong proponent of building uh, a bridge to Vancouver Island and to the point where you could hopscotch over some Gulf Islands. Now, it's tough to, you'd have to get approval, deal with local issues and concerns, easier said than done. Uh, but Pat was a, a big proponent. In fact, he had a, a huge model um, made of a, of a bridge from the island to Vancouver. He kept it in his basement, to my understanding, many years, for many years. Uh, but we found some uh, uh, comments from him in regards to cost, in regards to the challenges of potential, you know, being in a seismic and earthquake area and the challenges there. Take a listen to what Pat McGeer had to say to some of the uh, naysayers.
1: You build a bridge, it'll last several hundred years. Uh, you build a ferry, and it gets outmoded and has to be replaced. You don't have to be a rocket scientist, you know, to figure all this out. (laughs) This is the only sensible thing to do for the future. Uh, And because it's the only sensible thing, as soon as we have a sensible government, we'll do it. It's going to be raised, earthquakes, the ones that are in danger are the real bridges that have already been built, not a floating bridge for heaven's sakes, cost, it's going to last for 200 years. You want to pay it off over 100 years, pay it off over 100 years, a ferry? Oh, it's going to last 30 years.
0: That was uh, Pat McGear, mm-hmm. former uh, minister. So, you know, he was always passionate about the bridge. But, you know, one of the questions I do have to ask, when you think about, you know, board tunnels and you look at earthquake prone areas like Japan. So why do they have board tunnels? Why in places like uh, you know Finland and many of these other countries where there are fjords, they have this amazing transportation system with bridges uh, and, and many other systems, uh, cable state bridges as well, floating bridges, fixed link, all of it. They're somehow able to do it on the engineering side, number one. I'm not saying we can't do it on the engineering side, but they also spend the money, whether it's a public-private partnership, whether it's yeah. dollars spent. Uh, I'm not sure why, and I understand the cost, 15 billion. Okay, let's double that for a moment. Thirty billion over a hundred years, that that. You know, that could be done, quite frankly, number one. I mean, we're spending, what, $20 billion on Site C? Uh, uh, the Trans-Canada Pipeline, I think initially it was uh, four, then it went to $8 billion. Now we're talking probably $20 billion by the time we're done. These things do happen. They do go over budget, and that's fine. But I just don't understand why in other countries they can build these amazing, amazing infrastructure projects. And we always seem to be hesitating over here uh, in British Columbia.
1: It's a big really philosophical question. They have a section here in the board tunnel area. They talk about the Seikan tunnel in Japan, fifty four kilometers long, mm-hmm. cost seven billion back in nineteen eighty eight in US dollars. The channel's the most famous between the UK and France. That was fifteen billion. But Construction of a board tunnel under Georgia Strait would take place below water 365 metres deep and in thick, soft sediments, creating extreme pressures during construction. The depth of both the water and the sediment would require a tunnel over 50 kilometres in length. For these reasons, a board tunnel is not considered a viable option. But it's part of a larger philosophical question of... Why not invest in these things? High-speed rail along the coast to Seattle and Portland. We've Mm -hmm. explored it. We're waiting and waiting. Every year we wait on that jazz, it becomes exponentially more expensive. Canadians struggle with this idea of big spending on infrastructure, whereas other countries, they just go ahead and do it. And I think your sense is the same as mine. We should start encouraging that stuff from British Columbia because these are things that can be used for the future. Last point on this, yeah. MLA Trevor Helford, BC United MLA, just texted me. He said the other issue potential with a crossing would be going through U.S. waters. Uh, so that could lead to some uh, diplomatic challenges as well. Uh, you know, a board tunnel that touches on the U.S. may not be a big issue, but... It's a jurisdictional issue that would have to be discussed as well if, if that tunnel conversation ever becomes serious.
0: Well, you could hopscotch through some of these uh, Gulf Islands. Not everything has to be a board tunnel, and, and maybe it doesn't go to Victoria. It goes to Nanaimo or somewhere in between, yep. and just as long as it gets you to the island. I think there's ways to get through that, and you're right. If, if it's a board tunnel, I don't think you have a security issue. And look, if France and, and, and England uh, can build a tunnel, I'm not sure why we can't speak to a friendly neighbour and figure this stuff out as well. I mean, there's been talk, obviously, the Confederation Bridge. There is, of course, uh, you know, in the U.S., we've talked about sharing costs over uh, for 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 the U.S. And around Detroit as well. All of that is part of the broader conversation. I, I just think we always hesitate. I'm not sure why we don't think big enough. Yes. Cost is an issue, but let's talk about this and get it done. I'm not saying the ferry system is bad. I mean, I've used it a lot when I was an MLA. The service is good. The people are good, and, and, and I'm a supporter of our uh, of our uh, public institutions. But you know, I, sometimes I think we would, we just need to think big. Sometimes, and we don't do that uh-huh. here in, in British Columbia. Maybe it's just my frustration, but but I wanted to hear from you. Fifteen billion, let's double it, thirty billion. But I still think it's worth it when you're stuck in a ferry line. Think big. <laughs> I agree.
1: If those are the sort of things that people. Remember this public infrastructure is important for us, and, and we've had a challenge. we couldn't even get a billion dollar museum off the ground, jazz. I'm not sure about a fifteen billion dollars Think about ah. your
0: Ottawa senators coming to town, you watching the game and then and driving home That's at the end of it. Make
1: a billion dollars to buy that team. yeah, but that would be a great way to come back <laughs>
0: there you go. thanks, Richard
1: thanks. Jazz.